Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Glorious in the Mundane. I'm your host, Christy Knuckles. Happy midweek to you, and happy school supply shopping and whatever else you have had your hand in this week. I have to say that it has been so much fun hearing from some of you on what this podcast has meant to you, so thank you for that. It is truly so encouraging to us, and it makes all the hard work that much more beautiful. I loved reading that one listener was up for a 3 a.m. feeding and saw that the podcast had dropped around that time on iTunes, and she said she about squealed out loud knowing that she was going to have it to listen to while she was up in the night, and that just meant the world to me. I also loved several people sending me a list of all the mundane tasks that they were accomplishing while listening. My friend Donna, a mother of three, texted and said, for the record, during the podcast, I did laundry, made breakfast, changed a diaper, sent my husband off to work, and picked up an emptied all-over-the-floor box of Kleenex. That was my gloriously mundane morning. All that to say, we love hearing from you, so thank you for letting us know what it's meant to you along the way. I also wanted to say a huge thank you to those of you who have already helped us come around my Christmas album campaign. If you're just now hearing about it, I'm making my first ever Christmas record in 20 years of recording, and I couldn't be more excited. The reason we're telling you about it in August is that we are asking family, friends, and fans to help us fund it. I have just recently, as of a few months ago, become an independent artist again, which means that I no longer am on a record label. This has actually been a huge transition for me as I've spent the last seven years a part of a really well-known label where everything was done for me, and I've never really had to think about funding music. Now there might be more freedom with decision-making and dreaming, but the funding is like, wow, this feels like climbing a mountain. So just wanted to thank those of you who have pre-ordered the album, and we even had a family buy an acoustic home concert, which I think is actually going to be really fun. We've only done one of those in the past, and I absolutely loved it, so I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, this process isn't super comfy for me, so I've had to have sort of this Sabbath of the soul mentality in it all, slash practice everything I've been preaching about living from the bullseye. But by that, I mean just letting my mind and heart rest in the fact that God has all the details already worked out. Speaking of Sabbath, my husband and I recently have felt really convicted in general about having an actual Sabbath weekly in our home. We've kind of teetered back and forth through the years on this subject, and because we've traveled so many years and we lead at churches on the weekend, it's been interesting to try to build in an actual Sabbath where our kids can see that modeled. But we've been feeling convicted lately about practicing it consistently. And by practicing it, I mean we have to look at each other and say, we're not working, right? We're not going to labor over anything today. We are going to rest. So it's this rest, body, mind, and heart, and soul. And this past Sunday, we led at our church, but as soon as we walked in the door, we all put our pajamas on. (laughs) I got a blanket, literally laid on the couch for most of the day, pretty much all the day. It's fun how our kids responded to it, and they got their PJs on, you know, were laying next to us on the couches. We ended up watching a Hallmark movie, which is no surprise in our home, and it featured a lot of footage about a wedding cake. So spontaneously, we all ended up in the pantry looking for what we had, and we found a boxed cake mix that we whipped together really quick. So we had our cake before our dinner, and then everyone kind of fended for themselves for dinner, which was absolutely a Sabbath for me. But I could even tell that our dogs knew that something was different. Our little dog, George, was in my lap literally most of the day, and Brave, our bigger dog, kind of just sauntered back and forth to lay by Nathan's side and then mine. But I could tell everyone just enjoyed being still together. Of course, there were several times, many times actually, that I'd feel the worries of the week start creeping in, and I would just have to push them back with all that was in me, really making every thought obedient to the Lord so that I would just rest and exemplify, even in my body, what it looks like to just be still and know that He is God. And even just to have fun as a family, making the cake was an unexpected thing that was just spontaneous and fun and just a way that we rested together. It was really sweet. I was just telling someone the other day, 
how the season I'm in right now is so interesting because I'm far enough away from the season that I've been sharing about over these past several podcasts that I can now see much of the fruit from those moments that God was calling me to lay things down and trust Him like I'd never known. So in many ways, I sense this release that's happened in my heart recently Many of my friends actually see it and notice it and have been watching it unfold. So even this very podcast is a part of that release and of God bringing some things into fruition after a long wait. And I was just with Beth Moore not long ago, and we were talking about this very thing in this new place that I'm in, and she mentioned, isn't it neat how after God asks you to lay some things down, and in both of our cases, we laid down things to mother when our kids were much younger, but she said, it's amazing when you realize there's still time. After your kids grow up a bit and there's more wiggle room to pursue some things, there's still time left. So I hope that encourages so many of you today. On my birthday this past year, I sat at the table with three very dear women in my life. They had each taken a moment the few days before my birthday to ask God for one word that would encourage me. As I listened to each one, my eyes and my heart just welled up with thankfulness that God would be so kind to me to give me friends like this after we had moved from Georgia only six months before that time. One of the women began to share and said, I know this is an unusual word to speak over you, but it's the word ingenuity, which is the quality of being original or inventive. And one of the words that she pulled from what ingenuity means was the word resourceful. She said that she prayed that not only would God lead me in actual ways to become resourceful, but also that He would lead me through a season of returning to the source, returning to Him. Like I said before, and how I've even mentioned last week, the past seven years have been kind of comfortable, honestly. There were those numbing moments or maybe just autopilot moments. I wasn't doing much out of my comfort zone for sure. It seemed in many ways that the script was sort of written for me. Or at least I allowed it to be. And hey, you know what? There's a time for that. There's a time for everything. But I knew God was saying, step out. I've called you to be a script writer, not just a script reader. Again, there truly is a time for everything. And whether I was comfortable with it or not, it was time to step out. He leads us on. We don't stay in the same place. He nudges. He spurs us on. He pushes us from the comfort zone. For me, it was to lead in a different way than I had been leading. This new season of stepping out brings a lot of joy with it, but there's something about being called into something new that even though there's a peace in your heart that it's the right thing, it doesn't mean that there's not some butterflies in your tummy moving forward. That very group of women that I was telling you about around the table at my birthday, we've been praying for months together about starting something for women in the Nashville area, and it's actually happening now. And so we're walking forward totally open-handed. It may not be the easiest thing we've ever done, but we do feel like the Lord is calling us to it. And I think the Lord allows for a bit of wrestling in our spirit. And honestly, there's a legitimate side to it that we've acknowledged that none of this group of women really wants to get up in front of people, which I think most people in leadership would actually say that's true of them as well. But we know it's what He's calling us to. So somewhere in that, I think, is a great recipe for authenticity, and having to rely totally on the Lord for it to unfold. I think one of the sweetest things that we have as believers in moving forward into new things is remembrance. Again, it's really that bullseye and outer rings. You're moving ahead, but you're moving from this place of remembrance of who you really are as He calls you into those outer rings of the unknown. One sweet thing that God has done on this road to me being resourceful or going back to the source, to things He deposited in me a long time ago, is that He's really surprised me along the way with these moments of remembering. I think what's so beautiful about moving forward is the looking back on God's faithfulness. I also think that as women, we carry so much that we don't often really allow ourselves to be privy to the fact that there can be such a spirit of adventure in walking with the Lord. Okay, I probably seriously just lost most of you who are maybe changing your shirt for the fourth time today because of baby spit up. But hey, I'm here to tell you that if it weren't for these sweet friends of mine who literally speak this stuff to me and text it to me all the time, I wouldn't believe it either. For instance, I remember where I was sitting this past March when I had the crazy idea that I should fly somewhere 
where there was still snow to get pictures for my Christmas album. At that point, only a few songs had been written, and the whole idea was still kind of like, yeah, we'll kind of see if this thing really happens. But we decided to go in faith that it would really come together and happen. We had some airline miles that we could use, and I knew I had a friend named Becky who had moved just outside of Boulder not long ago. I texted her as I was sitting there with my harebrained idea and asked her if there was still snow on the ground there. She texted back a picture that seriously looked like Narnia and said, This is my backyard right now. When can you get here? I texted my friend Kayla Johnson, who is a beautiful photographer from Atlanta, slash someone who I thought just might be up for an adventure and asked the crazy question if she'd want to go to Colorado with me to just get some photos for this Christmas record I was going to be making. Kayla was all over the idea and loved it and was so excited. She brought her friend Allie, and the three of us embarked on some of the sweetest days that I've had this year. We met in Denver, rented a four-wheel drive, which later we were like, can you imagine if we didn't have a four-wheel drive? And with literally no itinerary, no plans other than that we had a place to stay in Boulder, we just started driving. And as a mom of three with a lot on my plate, I had to battle, as you can imagine, Was this completely irresponsible of me? And like I said, if it weren't for my friends, and they know who they are, texting me and saying things like, you are allowed to have a spirit of adventure. You're partnering with the same God who put all of this in you in the first place. So just go with it. The night we got there, we went through my suitcase for possible wardrobe scenarios and had a gut feeling that we should wake up before the sun for that sunrise golden moment. So we did. We got outside just before the sun came up on the horizon that first day, hurrying because, as many of you photographers know, that golden window is tiny. We had boots on, thankfully, and stepped out onto the snow in my friend's side yard, thinking it was maybe about a foot deep at the most. I don't remember which of us fell through first, but the snow was up past our knees. We fell down into that snow and could not move while all of our equipment went sailing down the mountain, cameras, phones, a brand new pair of boots that I just purchased. But add on top of that, that we were out loud, belly laughing and couldn't breathe because it had to have been five below zero. We did catch our breath and Allie was the hero going after all of our stuff And we also caught some pretty golden moments as well. There's really no point to this part of the story other than it's funny (laughs) and that adventures are not perfect. And when you see the golden moment and what I'm wearing in my CD packaging come November, you'll remember the mayhem and the snow moment that I described, and at least you'll get a good laugh out of it. But none of it stopped us. We went traipsing through many more piles of snow and mountains of gorgeousness those next few days. And throughout the trip, I was sort of narrating to Kayla and Allie ideas around the record and what I hoped that people would be encouraged by, you know, trying to inspire the photographers about what we were trying to capture. But all the while, God was surprising me, inspiring me and capturing me at every turn. One of the surprises was finding out that we were only about a 40-minute drive from the spot at Estes Park, where I met my husband, Nathan, when I was only 19 years old. We, of course, had to go. My parents and I were actually just talking about this the other day, that they didn't know why we needed to pack up and go to this artist seminar at the YMCA of the Rockies, but they knew we were supposed to. I remember we had a garage sale in order to even afford the extra trip because my dad was a pastor all my life, and a pastor's salary often doesn't afford extra trips to Colorado just for your daughter. We borrowed a van from a friend to make the trip more enjoyable, and I'll never forget that night when my parents dropped me off for that first big session. I was wearing denim on denim with a pair of cowboy boots. I know denim on denim is back, but not this particular setup. I remember my shirt was like one huge ruffle, basically. Rich Mullins was in concert that night, so many of you old school people know how excited I must have been for that. I got in line and I looked ahead in the front of the line and I saw two familiar faces. They saw me and waved, and I waved back. It was Charlie Hall and Nathan Knuckles. I had met Charlie the summer before that at a church camp, and Nathan and I had actually met once at Oklahoma Baptist University, and maybe I'll tell you that story another time because it's definitely worth telling at some point, but it was comforting in the moment at least to see two people that I knew. That week, long story short, Nathan and I fell in love. 
My parents knew because each night of the seminar, I would ask them to come pick me up later and later and later. I'm not sure if you can hear that rain out here at Keeper's Branch, but it's just started, so hopefully (laughs) it'll just make you feel relaxed. But anyway, when Kayla, Allie, and I pulled up onto the campus of the YMCA there in Estes Park, we drove around and I pointed out the very place where I stood in that line and saw Nathan. And we drove around those roads and I remembered walking many of them that week, talking for hours on end to Nathan about music and dreams and plans. So much of the campus had changed that I almost didn't recognize it. In fact, I kept trying to find this one rock that Nathan and I sat on one afternoon that I remember as a stake-in-the-ground moment in establishing what would one day become a marriage and a family, which is so crazy to think about now. But the campus had grown so much, as best I could tell, a monstrous building now sat right where that rock facing that gorgeous, quiet forest would have sat back in 1993. Then it started to hit me, the beauty of remembering I hadn't been back to that part of Colorado in over 20 years. I knew this was significant and that I needed to pay attention. God was taking me back to the woman I once was, that fresh-faced girl sitting on that rock that day, belonging to Him and only Him. He was bringing me back to Himself. As a parent, I could imagine His heart for me and the element of surprise. I thought, If I enjoy surprising my children as much as I do, imagine how much He loves this moment right now. Then as I started thinking of what He had called together in bringing Nathan and I together in that place, though I couldn't find that original rock and a building now sat there, it was so symbolic to me. Though the foundation and that beginning is almost hard to find now after 23 years later, it's still there. It sits now underneath two decades of serving Him together and becoming the family that He knew we'd become. It did my heart so much good to just drive those roads and recall how far we've come, how far I've come, and that the same God I belonged to then, I belong to now. The same God who called us then is with us now. Yes, we've been a part of some amazing things over the years, things we find hard to even describe. They're so wonderful. But nothing can outweigh the miracle that the God who put every dream in us is still with us. I realized how much I let get in the way of this walk with Him being an adventure, like that photo shoot adventure was for me, that there's so much beauty to see, so much more than we take time for, that remembrance can do a world of good for our souls. It doesn't mean we have to take a trip somewhere necessarily. It might just be sitting and remembering today the woman you once were, And that same God who loved you then loves you now. The same God who called you then calls you now. And He has even more for you. Make room in your heart. Make room for the element of surprise today. I'm so happy for you to get to hear from a beautiful singer-songwriter today named Audrey Assad. I met Audrey back in 2009 when my friend Chris Tomlin played a Christmas song for me that Audrey had written called Winter Snow. At that time, I was traveling often with Chris and was featured on his Christmas album around that time called Glory in the Highest. Chris asked me what I thought about this song, and I said, it's incredible. And I pointed out that she should sing it on his album because there's some songs that when you hear the writer sing it, just something magical happens. So Audrey was featured as a guest artist on Glory in the Highest and then toured with us that Christmas. A funny little story is that she and I literally had just met And a bunch of us from the tour went to a movie that afternoon. I get a text from Audrey, who was back at the church, saying, Hey, I'm so sorry. I just stepped on your in-ears and broke them. For those of you who don't know what in-ears are, they are monitors that go inside your ear so you can hear the music on the stage. And they run anywhere from, oh, like $700 and up. So you have to imagine Audrey's disbelief in having to tell me that that had just happened. Literally the afternoon of the morning that we had just met on the bus, she was so relieved to find out that they were actually already broken on that side that she stepped on. So really, she just finished them off for me and gave me the excuse to get a new pair. It bonded us, though, that and the fact that both of us got very ill on that tour. She had mono. 
And I then was actually hospitalized with a stomach virus that had lasted 11 days that even the doctors were puzzled about. So it was an interesting tour to say the least, but I've watched Audrey blossom into a mature artist and now a wife and a mom. And I'm always challenged and encouraged by what she has to say. Audrey is an independent artist as well, and she's actually built her own record label recently with her husband. You're going to get a special treat today. I asked Audrey if I could play her song, I Shall Not Want, before we jump into our conversation. You'll hear in our conversation that recently I was able to tell Audrey how much this song has ministered in a really specific and sweet way to my daughters Ellie and Annie Rose and I before and during our move from Georgia to Tennessee last summer. Moving was, in and of itself, one of our biggest adventures as a family so far. We left everything that was familiar to us. We stepped out, not without fear, though. Sometimes you just have to do things afraid. But it reminds me of loving the dream giver more than the dream, of loving him even more than the adventure he calls us to, of tasting his goodness and realizing he is truly enough for us. Enjoy this beautiful song and our conversation from my kitchen table. I shall not walk. 
how how is life as you know it right now? And that's a huge question, but just what's been going on? <laughs> it's it's um it is rich and complicated. I mm-hmm. feel right now. I'm doing a lot of things. I've got my own label. I'm running with my husband William. We've been doing that for mm-hmm. three years, and um, it's an incredibly difficult thing to get off the ground, but slowly I feel like we're building a seaworthy ship I'll say um and so I'm I'm just kind of I have my hands in all of that right now Mm -hmm. making records and um I've been producing my own stuff for a few years and that's a huge learning curve and Mm -hmm. so I'm just um again like trying to build vessels that can sail, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, we, yeah, so we're just kind of, we're trucking along and, um, I have a two year old and that's really fun. <laughs> um, Amazing. and crazy. And, um, I travel still mm. probably about, you know, six or seven dates a month sometimes, yeah. um, which I'm kind of trying to slow down on as much mm-hmm. as I can, but, uh, yeah, so life is, is, um, a juggling cool. act, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I love it, but I'm, I'm actively seeking to be home more yeah. because I really, I really want to be, yeah, especially for my son, you I know, get that. so. How long have y'all been married? Five years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what's that been like working together? I'm sure everybody asks you that. That's why everyone asks Nathan and yeah. I all the time. I mean, it's a... It's an ever-evolving equation, you know, because mm-hmm. people evolve and marriages evolve mm-hmm. and businesses evolve. So you kind of, we find ourselves reassessing, you know, every six months what that means. And he mm-hmm. did manage me at one point even, and we pulled back from that because even though he was amazing at that job, and my business probably has never been in a better place than it was when mm-hmm. he was managing me, it about ruined our friendship, you know? And so we kind of took a look at each other and said, we'd like to, you know, obviously the marriage is the priority. Mm -hmm. I found out I was pregnant um, right in the middle of that. And we kind of stared at each other like, wait. (laughs) I mean, we weren't really trying not to have babies, Mm -hmm. but we weren't necessarily actively trying to have them either. And it was just a moment. It was the night before Fortunate Fall came out. And I wow. peed on the stick, TMI, and Ooh. I came into the room, and I just put it down on the desk. <laughs> and he just, I remember the look on his face because he was, like, busy typing. He was, like, getting all this, like, you know, email list ready, and it was, like, 11 at night, and he's, mm. like, haggard, and he just stares at me like, I should be excited. I have no emotions. And oh we were both goodness. just sort of like, love you, you know? <laughs> and uh, anyway, that was the point wow. where we thought, well... Let's let's pull back and try something different. Mm. So I actually manage myself. Really? Um, I do. And it has been the hardest adjustment of my career, but I have learned so much. And if I ever do hand off to a manager again, I will know exactly the things that I want mm-hmm. help with mm-hmm. and the things that I want to do myself, which I just didn't, you know, I didn't know mm-hmm. that five years ago. So um, so now we're just uh, co-founders of the label, and he markets and kind of runs our team. We have distribution, PR, business management, you know, whatever, what mm-hmm. have you. And he kind of runs that, and I just try to be as hands-off as I can about that stuff until it's something that needs me. But mm-hmm. uh, So it's cool. It's cool to watch him take, take over because he's really killing it. So. Yeah. Well, so this podcast, the theme is Into the Glorious or Finding the Glorious in the Mundane. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious because you are one of my favorite songwriters, and I do want to talk about songwriting, but as it pertains to, like, husband and baby and life, and um, how, what are some of those things, maybe even recently, or just, like, a, a good mm-hmm. example of, like— because I think even with social media, people, you know, I think there's so many— Let's just focus on women because I think that's probably right. who's listening today for the most part. But like, they have dreams in their heart, and and but yet the social media thing is kind mm. of daunting, and it's like it looks like everyone is just yeah. killing it today right. and like completely right. changing the world. But they're like at home going, mm-hmm. you know, this is basically what I have right now, and I'm with my kids. And mm-hmm. but like so many years ago, God just showed me, you know, that it wasn't necessarily about. Um, 
me getting five hours of candlelight, you know, songwriting, (laughs) (laughs) but that I could look for him Mm -hmm. in the everyday things. I could write at the kitchen sink or whatever. What's that like for you? Like, how do you feel like God reveals the glorious to Mm -hmm. you, like in everyday ways? Well, I can definitely speak to, for example, one area of particular creative frustration for me is that I have no workspace at all. I don't have a second room where I play and write. I don't have a studio. I don't actually don't have any place to work right now. Mm-hmm. So it's a situation that has been the case for about a year. And I'm looking at a couple options, but they're not really available to me until, you know, at least the fall. Mm-hmm. And that is um, incredibly frustrating. Mm-hmm. And to the point of really emotionally difficult because I... I'm a pretty prolific writer into the sense that I I have a lot of ideas. They don't all make it to anywhere, but I feel the need to express. And I I find myself doing mostly admin work and Mm -hmm. being a mom and cleaning. And that's 99% of what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and that's really frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. I really want to be able to be like, I'm going to be in my, you know, nook, like thinking, (laughs) But you and just I so made so many people's day just now, though. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so because I get it. You know, honestly, I think doing music full time for me is um, there are a lot of times I almost wish I didn't do it full time because mm. doing it full time for me means 20 to 30 hours a week of doing things I don't like doing. Yeah. And I don't get to do it just for the fun of it almost ever. Mm. Um so I'm not complaining, but I will say, like, I have a really deep creative frustration that's been there for a long time where I'm just sort of like, I, when mm-hmm. I, I get to write every three weeks yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. So that being said, um, so I find that I have developed this way of kind of preserving creative energy for the moments where I actually have time to put it anywhere. Mm-hmm. And um, so I end up doing a lot more observing and thinking and reading even, you know, in my spare minutes than I do actually expressing anything uh, creatively. And it's very frustrating for me, but I actually think it's been a gift because Mm. I have to be, I'll put it this way, I think artists, including myself, can fall into a place where art is purely expression and catharsis and those things are really good but uh but they I don't know how to put this I'm trying to be unselfish with it you know mm-hmm. I don't want to navel gaze so mm-hmm. when I don't have all the time in the world to just be like I'm just gonna puke my guts out onto the piano mm-hmm. on the paper all day whenever I feel like it you know mm-hmm. and I kind of wish I had that ability but I don't right. I find myself going what so when I do have a day to write um, like what's the most important? It just causes a sifting and a, an assessment and an mm. introspection that is really helpful mm-hmm. um, to sort of look at my heart or emotions and say, like, what do I really need to say mm-hmm. right. uh, today? What do I have to say? And in terms of the mundane parts of that, I mean, speaking of, you know, admin work and um, – you know, parenting, and I'll be totally frank, like, I feel way more inept at parenting than I do at anything else to the point where when I'm coming home from a day of meetings or admin work, I feel almost a sense of dread, not of my son, but of the feeling of complete ineptitude. It's like, I walk in the door and I'm immediately sort of like, okay, here's the real place where I have no idea. Yeah. what I'm doing yeah. <laughs> at all. And he's getting older and it's kind of like, I feel really unequipped mm. to help him navigate his pain or his, you know, feelings or his frustration at not being able to communicate. And so that's probably the place where, mm. you know, maybe it's cliche to say, but in my child, I feel like that's the place where, um, God shows up and surprises me the most because in confronting my feelings of, yeah. you know, being inept or ill-equipped or I'm the firstborn. My son is obviously my firstborn. Uh, the things that I watch him struggle with that I know that I struggle with, mm-hmm. I think that's been huge. Um, I'll say, you know, parenting my two-year-old is where I feel like 
God is working miracles in my heart right now. Mm. And a lot of that has to do with that deep insecurity I have. Yeah. Um, and God showing up in my interactions with him. Uh, and not only helping me parent him, but helping me forgive myself yeah. or have grace for myself or see, you know, the eyes of the eyes of the father, um, not only in a paternal way, but God has such, I mean, women are created in his image too. He has mm-hmm. such nurturing and what we associate yeah. with motherly, you know, characteristics. And so I feel like I'm being parented. Yeah. And that's a really big deal. Mm-hmm. So that's probably where the place where I feel the most deeply insecure is the place where I feel like I'm meeting God the most mm-hmm. right now. I remember this is random, but like, so many years ago, I was leading worship, and I kept closing my eyes, and I had a picture of myself as a child mm-hmm. with the microphone. Yeah. Like, I was leading mm-hmm. the people as a child. And and it was this kind of sweet revelation of God just saying, like— um, and it was like I pictured myself the year that I would have given my heart to Him, which I was seven. And and it was like He was just showing me, like, lead those, lead these people today from that place that I found you in as a as a child who— didn't have anything to offer, you mm-hmm. know. Basically, I was just a poor yeah. little kid from Oklahoma, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that original state, yeah, that he he finds us in, like just to lead and to be mm-hmm. and yeah. love from that. And children are that experts place. at just existing, mm-hmm. and they lose that expertise with time yeah. and with societal pressure to produce and you know do mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. prove yourself and whatever it is. And man, there's so much in religion too that enforces that unintentionally. You know, I grew up in a particularly fundamentalist background and there was a lot of pressure from a young age to study to show myself approved. Mm. And I know what I think that scripture means, but I also know what I was sort of taught that it meant. Right. And I absorbed that message very early. Mm. Show yourself approved. Mm. Um, and man, this year, this last two years and this year in particular, um, has been very painful because I found that I cherished the idea that Mm. what endeared me to God was my correctness, Mm. my right assessment of him and his ways and his morals and Mm -hmm. whatever. And that place that I cherished that was the very place where God wanted to come in and, like, set off dynamite, you know? Right. Mm. And I didn't want to let go of that. It Mm. was the way that I identified uh, him and myself and my place in the world. And Mm. having a child, though, I remember looking at Will when he was born, well, a couple days later, because, honestly, the first two days I don't remember hardly anything. (laughs) I didn't really bond with him until he was a little older, honestly. Mm. And But I remember the first time that I looked at him with, like, real— like I could feel anything, like affection or, you know, right. nothing, you know, anything other than just pure exhaustion and yeah. confusion. And I thought, like, you you are exactly who you're supposed to be. Mm. I don't know what that feels like. Mm. And you don't even ha- you're not even thinking about it. Right. And what are the, like, a prison it can be to, to be able to think about that too much. Right. Um, and, what, and when God says have faith like a child is that— mm. In one way, him saying, I want to give you that freedom back yeah. that you have lost um, through your loss of innocence, you know, mm-hmm. the freedom to exist without worrying about it and right. analyzing it so much. Mm. So for me, that's been a real deliverance in having kids, you know. Well, you're always like a deep well every time, even <laughs> just in passing. I feel like the times that we'll see you at like a baby shower and you'll say something and I'm just like, I go home and I'm like, <laughs> oh my goodness. But but I do think it's it's so why, um, and I never throw this word around, um, at least not often, but um, I think that you're anointed and I think your music is, and I don't throw that word around a lot. And, and recently I was able to tell you um, about your song, I Shall Not Want, and how, um, so we moved from Georgia this past year, mm-hmm. and at some point, my daughters and I started listening. I don't know if it was right when that EP came out, but I started playing it in the car. And then I would notice when they were upstairs, they would put it on and they would dance to it. Or, um, 
But there was a point kind of around the move that every time I would put it on in the car, um, they would weep. And I mean, like, I call it Holy Spirit weeping when it's like this, um, like, I mean, there was like a hushed silence in the car. There was like, I could tell they were both looking out the window and they were, um, but God was using it to like, I think for probably multiple, Mm. in multiple ways. Um, So when you told me that, I was like, man, I, I'll never, I'm always really honored when people use my music on birth playlists because now that I've had a labor, I'm like, I know how sacred that is. But the most moving thing to me is when children have real Mm. connections to themselves and to God through through songs of mine because I, those memories for me are are like sacrosanct. They're, Mm. they are, you know, where I want to be most days is, is sitting with my Walkman. That's what you see use. (laughs) And and just feeling the ache, you know? Yeah. So that meant a lot to me for sure. Mm. I love that, yeah. And and Annie heard me, just my daughter in passing, saying that you were coming. She was like, she's coming. (laughs) Like, but it's just, it's so precious to me. And still, like, it's almost like I even, it got to a point where, like, I, I would, kind of be careful when we would mm. even play it. Like if we were getting ready to need to get out of the car, like it just it really, <laughs> just a special, special oh, thing. Man. And so That's I just, amazing. you know, and as a mother, I'm sure, I mean, you, you'll, when your child gets older yeah. and he starts mm-hmm. connecting and, you know, you'll just want to mm-hmm. tell those people too, like when something just helps oh, yeah. give expression absolutely to, would. to what's in them. It's totally kind of a change of subject, but my son does not like me to sing to him mm, unless it's bedtime. That's the only time he'll tolerate it. If I start singing too loud during the day, he'll go, no, no, <laughs> no. It's really funny. I have videos of it. Like, he just... Oh, my goodness. Not about it. It's very humbling. It's really funny. You know, when I've, <laughs> I have kind of a funny story about that. Annie, when she was probably two and a half, three... Um, she used to suck her two fingers, mm-hmm. like her index finger and her middle, middle finger together. And and so she would put those fingers in, and, and and then she'd pop them out and say, we sing a song. And then she'd put them back in, and she'd kind of stare at me like, what are you going <laughs> to sing? And so this one time I was like over her crib, and I started singing one of my songs, A Mighty Fortress is Our mm-hmm. God. And, um, and I was just, you know, like tickling her little belly, and I was just proclaiming it over her. She takes out her fingers, and she goes, can you sing all the single ladies? <laughs> <laughs> and so, of That's course, my I, girl. I start tickling her. I'm That's going, hilarious. All the single ladies. <laughs> it's like, well, I mean. I hope you get to tell she... Beyonce that story one day. <laughs> that is amazing. I love it. Well, I know that you've been such an encouragement to so many people out there today, um, especially women. I always think about um you know, as we're talking about the everyday things that we've got to do. And like you said, I mean, so much of your time, I think people will be surprised to know mm-hmm. that a lot of our time is doing, yeah. you know, just everyday things. But I think, um, and I kind of said it before, but I think sometimes social media can be um, mm-hmm. such a, like, almost paralyzing thing mm-hmm. to people because they think, well, everyone else is already out there right, doing everything. Like, what's my story going to matter? But I think a lot of women, too, might find themselves like this just isn't the season yet to Mm be um creating or working like on a level like that maybe you and I have been doing for years but like you know but I think that what I've learned and I'd love for you to speak into this is just like um I don't think it's I've learned through the years it's maybe not an all or nothing and Mm -hmm. it's not a but it's more of a both and and Mm -hmm. I think it's um you know it's not just sitting and doing nothing. But I think there might be a lot of people, and both of you and I probably could both say, here's a lot of things we're waiting on mm-hmm. right now, waiting on the Lord for something. Yeah, or just absolutely. Waiting on things in our lives that just haven't. But I don't know that it's like, um, okay, well, I'm just going to mm-hmm. sit here and wait. But I've learned that it's mm-hmm. there's there's He's with us yeah, in the waiting. absolutely. Yeah. And there's an active, mm-hmm. I think, waiting. And what would you say just to encourage women who are out there who it's not an all or nothing. I mean, I, do you agree? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, my own personal take on that at the moment is that I've been for a year hacking away at some really deep areas of trauma mm. in my past 
and healing is incredibly painfully slow for me. Mm. And I'm there are many moments where I feel very frustrated by that. And there are things that I know that God will do with it mm-hmm. um, when it's, you know, it's never really done. But when this particular season of uh, kind of that intensity mm-hmm. is passed. Mm-hmm. And I felt very called to sit here and kind of wait it out, you know, and say it's not just the confronting of these things or the, you know, God's, okay, I'll put it this way, like, God is in the business of healing. Mm. And so often I think we think of ministry and Christianity and salvation as um, more of a a duty thing and like I'm called to do this. Mm-hmm. But we're actually called to be something. And what we're called to be is healed. Mm. And that takes a lifetime of a lot of seasons of things being unresolved and... Mm uncertain and in the future somewhere and in the actual undergoing of that frustration there's a really a really deep healing that can happen um there's so many areas in our hearts that need to be healed and Mm -hmm. to be restored and made new and that process can be incredibly frustrating and slow and it is for me and you know my marriage reflects that and Mm -hmm. I think um so for me I, I don't think about it as much I guess from a creative output point of view maybe because I do have that creative output but I can Mm. definitely relate to um the deep frustration with sitting still I can really relate to that and um you know I I was having a conversation with my husband the other night that was really difficult and you get those like really those moments in marriage where you're looking at each other and thinking like this is the big stuff right now and it's not what I thought it would feel like Mm. and um, when you're able to kind of reach that level of honesty that I remember sitting there thinking, and I said it to him afterwards, I said, I don't know why, because everything we just talked about is incredibly painful and difficult, but I feel so free right now and mm. at home. And like, just, mm. um, sometimes it takes the sitting around and kind of like the just trudging through the mountain of whatever, mm heap of stuff you're wading through and, you know, um, getting to that place where you almost reach contentment, you know, yeah, in exactly yeah. what it is. And, and I, I haven't felt that for a while until the other day. And I thought, well, even in that, like God's doing a work That's in me good. by like basically just making me wait, you know, yeah. and it's not just about patience to please God. It's about trust and mm. regaining that trust in God and that dependence on Him. And sometimes we have to relearn it. Mm. I have a friend who has an adopted son who had to go through some therapy where his, um, even at the age of like eight years old, and his mom had to feed him every meal. Mm. And like he had to learn, relearn to trust because wow. of some issues there. And I thought, that's such an instruction. Like, that is me, you know. Right. I have to almost regress to progress, and it can be incredibly, incredibly frustrating and slow. Mm-hmm. But I just would say pay attention to mm. the nuances of the incredibly boring moment you're in because <laughs> th- I think it's really I love it, yeah. for your healing. That's right. And um, it is for mine, mm-hmm. you know. And so whatever that thing is in front of you, the mountain that you feel kind of called to ascend, mm-hmm. um, you know, the, the road in front of you is is equally important as the crest of that mountain is. That's great. Um, and you probably that mountaintop won't be as beautiful as it would be if you, you know, enjoyed the walk along the way. So mm. that would be my advice, I guess. <laughs> so great. Um, so what's next before I let you out of my kitchen? <laughs> <laughs> I like your kitchen. Thanks. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm working on this new love record all month. And then all summer this year, I'll be working on a new Audrey record uh, that will be about healing and mercy and Mm. um, freedom, which I'm really excited about. Mm. All things that I don't feel totally equipped to talk about, but it's what I'm learning right now. Mm. And um, I'm writing a book. Yay! Which is, all I've written is the introduction. (laughs) So writing is a loosely used word here, but 
yes. planning to write one. And I'm starting a podcast, so I'll be working on all that stuff this summer. So and um, I'm really excited to try some new mediums and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm interested to see what this season will bear for me. So yeah. it's going to be busy, but but really really good. Well, we will all be on the edge of our seats for sure because we're interested too always so I'm such a big fan so thanks for coming appreciate it I hope you feel so encouraged today that the road before you is just as important as that mountain ahead that on the way to that mountain you'll have countless surprises and moments of remembrance that you belong to your father first before anything else came into being for you and that same father is by your side today so tune in to him. You can find out more about Audrey by following her on Instagram at Audrey Asad. And her website is AudreyAsad.com. Or you can just go to my site, ChristineKnuckles.com. And you'll find a link to all the beautiful things that Audrey has going on. If you'd like to see more about my Christmas album to come and even be a part of backing it, you can find all of that at ChristineKnuckles.com forward slash Christmas. I hope that you have a glorious rest of your day. And I'll talk to you soon.